Welcome to Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Carrie Drugan, and I will be showing you how average, everyday middle-class people are choosing to make positive changes in their life to accomplish what makes them happy. I hope these podcasts will allow you to feel a connection with people who are just like you and make you realize you can have the life you want. Hello, ordinary yet extraordinary people. Today on the podcast, I have Amaroy Bernardo. He is a dancer and health and wellness coach, plus an author. And today he's going to talk about how his journey was as a dancer, especially as a young male, um, how it started, how making fun of or being made fun of by other people really hurt him and made him stop for a long time, and how he was able to find his passion again. Uh, plus how he kind of deals with bullies now and what he tells his future students. So I hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here is Emeroy. Welcome, everyone. Today I have Emeroy as my guest. And Emeroy and I met a few months ago, I guess, um, from a networking group that we do online uh, with the wonderful Lewis Howes. And we connected. We're both dancers. And I wanted him on to talk today um, about being a male in the dance world and how he's kind of, uh, you know, started loving it, um, kind of got made fun of and how he kind of progressed through. So welcome, Emory. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us, um, let's just start from the beginning. When did you first start dancing and was it just one style of dance or dancing in your living room? What was that kind of like when you began? Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, I first started, I remember it vividly, the first song I ever danced to was a Michael Jackson song, uh, Who's Bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember my dad was asleep on the couch, and I was like, I was like in, behind the couch, I was just, just moving around, I was like, oh, this is really cool, I had no idea what it was, I didn't even know I was dancing, I was just moving and grooving to it, uh, and then I just uh, kept doing it at a lot of family parties, and uh, a lot of my relatives would just ask me to just do performances and dancing, and it progressed throughout the year and when InSync and Usher came along I decided to uh, record their 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 choreography and performances with VHS tapes yes <laughs> um, <laughs> that's exactly how I did it and then I, w- I I I right after homework I would study these music videos and I would do my best to copy them um just from move to move and I would perform it for my family and this one time I got to perform it in front of a Toys R Us uh, at with one of the local radio stations around here and then that was like I think my first taste in actually doing uh, performance. And how old were you at that time? Uh, I think, I know I was in middle school, probably seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So yeah and I was like this, this is pretty cool uh, but at this, I thought it was, I thought it was just be a one-time thing because I didn't know doing performances or going to a, even a dance studio even existed. Because back then I was school, skater boy after, and then did dancing for fun. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. Um, so how did you find out then? So you're dancing in your living room, which is how a lot of us start, whether we're kids or adults. And I think a lot of people do that. They just, just hear music and they start moving, which is really what dance yeah. is. Um, so how did you then decide, okay, I want to do more. Was that something that you knew about or your parents said, hey, why don't you try a dance class? Where kind of did that take you next? Um, 
I know I wanted to do more after high school, after I saw the opportunity that me and my friends did when we first started, uh, when we first did our first performance as a crew. And I saw the opportunity that we can be big like everyone else out there. Excuse me. But uh, there was, like, again, we didn't know about any other opportunities. So we, I just started pursuing heavily, asking other parents, other people to sort of give us an, uh, give us a chance to dance. And whether it was with money or not, then I, just, then I started getting invited to teach for Debus, which is pretty much like a Filipino version of the quinceanera. Um, and then I started seeing, oh man, I can teach for a living. I, 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 I enjoyed it. Uh, and then when I had the opportunity to, I guess, teach for back in 2009 at a studio, because my friend, uh, Justin Jet Lee, he's part of Poriotics. He asked me to sub his class. I'm like, okay, uh, my opportunity just to teach at a studio, see what it's like. Uh, and then from there, uh, I taught for like two, three, four classes. Uh, they asked me to stick around, and uh, from there, a lot of more, a lot more opportunities started coming. Well, let's okay. So let's back way up first. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I've like, done a lot. Uh, <laughs> so when okay, so you started kind of dancing like beginning or middle of middle school. Now that generally for male and females is a tough time. Your body is changing. You're going through all these hormonal changes. Kids are making fun of each other. You're not really sure what's cool, what's not. I mean, how was that perceived that you were dancing? Or did people even in your school know that you were dancing mm. at that age? Okay. Um, well, first I started dancing when I was uh, eight. Mm-hmm. And then I got made fun of I, I, when I started going into dancing. I was, when I was practicing my dance moves one day at school, um, I didn't dance at school at all. Because I didn't know anyone that was doing it. And even at my high school, before I joined the dance team, uh, this is like a lot of, I'm all over the place right now, but it was just perceived gay for any guys to dance. Right. And I got, uh, I got made fun of because when I was, pra- when I was practicing these sync moves that Justin Timberlake did, right. and I was like, oh, this move is tight. And then I'm just practicing it in, in the quad and just, uh, uh, just seeing how I can start doing it in my own way, and then these—I remember these three kids that—that that I still remember their faces clearly because uh, they had made fun of me. Like they had been making fun of me, and then when they—they they saw me and they like, "What the f are you doing, bro? That's so gay. What are you, a fag?" And then I don't know if I can say that, but that, mm-hmm. that, those were the same exact words. I remember walking home that day. I still remember hearing my voice saying, I'm never going to dance again. And I just stopped dancing for a while. So and now, how old were you when that happened? That was uh, sixth grade. So I sort of messed up the, the timeline here. Mm-hmm. When I did my first performances before all that happened, I said seventh grade earlier, but right. around six, sixth grade. So now, uh, how these kids were just kids in your school. Did you know who they were? I mean, did you think of them as the cool kids or just kind of... Just kids that went to your school that you barely knew or friends or who were these type of people that were saying that? Yeah, these are kids that, are, that just went to my school. I didn't know them. Um, yeah, I only knew them like by name because I heard the name. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. Uh, and then it just – yeah, it was really – it really like hit home because it it – that was the first time I was told that it's not okay to dance. And it was mm-hmm. – even though I had a lot of – family and all that 
telling me that it was great that I was dancing, but this is four, not four, three kids just making a big deal of how lame it was or how gay it was. Right. Like, I didn't want to be perceived as that, especially at a young age. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be, I wanted to fit in. So how, I mean, why do you think at that age, especially as you've gotten older, why do you think that those three kids that you barely knew at your school saying that made more of an impact than your family or your friends that were supportive saying, hey, you're awesome, this is great, keep going. Why did that little bit of negativity make more of an impact in the positive stuff? Huh, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that, actually. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was the fact that they were strangers and they can get away with it. Because maybe I was taking for granted my family because, oh, it's my family. They're supposed to support me. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, then for me, I guess what that meant is that this is what strangers think of me dancing. Like just by three strangers, what will everyone else think? Right. So and. So now yeah. they've said this. You go home and you say, okay, I'm not going to dance anymore. Now, how long did that thought last? Was that just like you were done by the next day or no, I'm done. I'm not doing it ever again. That really upset me. I was hurt. I'm doing something else. I mean, how long did that feeling last, would you say? I think it, la- it lasted for a long time. Uh, I stopped dancing completely. I stopped dancing for four years from From that one grade. comment. Yeah. I, and I, I remember, and I think, I really I'm, think that um, because I denied myself to do that, I, I became angrier mm-hmm. because I felt like what I loved was wrong and I was angry about it, but I didn't know I was angry. I was, so I, I took it out and became a skater and I became more rebellious because, um, possibly because of this emotion, I didn't understand at the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it, (laughs) it took a long time for me to just get back into it. And even when I did get it back into it, I was very resistant, very resistant. (laughs) Now, how did your family, so here's this kid who was dancing all the time and and practicing videos to now going to like a cold turkey, I'm not going to do anything. How did your family react? I mean, did they understand? Did you tell them what happened? You know, Uh, were they encouraging you or did they kind of just say, okay, I guess he's changed his interests? uh, I never told them (laughs) Mm because I didn't think, I didn't think they would understand. Or I just didn't want to seem like, like, I don't know. I just didn't tell them. I don't know why I didn't, but. But they must have noticed a they, change, right? Yeah. They must have noticed, like, okay, something's they, they not just, right. <laughs> they, just, they just took it for face value. Like, oh, I guess he's not interested in it anymore, so he's just going to do something else. Because uh, I became, I, I got a lot more interested in skateboarding mm-hmm. instead. So she, I, I believe that my mom just took it as, okay, he's interested more in skateboarding instead of dancing now. Right. So. Now, why do you think, before we kind of move forward, because I, you're not the only person. I mean, I can remember a similar situation with dance, but mine was with actually an instructor um, of just a deliberate, just kind of, let me push you down. You know, people that either sometimes you don't know that well, or sometimes you do care about their opinion, but they're generally not always your family or your loved ones. But they say something that really hurts about something that you're so passionate about. Why is it that even as adults that we hold that with us and either it can break us and we say, okay, I'm not going to do anything or it can kind of push us to say, you know what? I'm never going to treat anybody that way. I'm never going to, you know, do things that way. You know, what is it about that one little comment? Do you think kind of makes such a big impact on our lives? I think it's because it's something we do care about and possibly, and it's because 
it's someone. <sighs> I gotta think about this because yours is from a, coming from an instructor. Mine came from strangers. I think it's because, I, for me, from my personal perspective, is this the aggression that's hit or the experience that we get from it because they said they could have I could have taken it as a joke and mm-hmm. laughed along with them and or I could have or I could have just done the way I did as a kid and uh, be angry about it I think it generally goes back to the meaning we put to it mm-hmm. so the meaning I put to it was I'm, I look gay I'm gonna stop if I change this meeting, it's like, oh, they're just having fun. I could laugh with them. It's all good. I can still do what I'm doing. The story might be different. Mm-hmm. But I think it all comes back down to the the story or the interpretation we, we put. Because I think everything we get is feedback and how we interpret it and the, the meaning we give it will affect how uh, what we do with it. Yes, I agree with that. But I think it's also, again, also as you get older, you start to realize, like, well, that's one person. You know, who who cares? <laughs> and, again, that takes time to definitely yeah. get through that and to have somebody help you get through that. Um, so it's definitely – it's a challenge. And I think also, uh, you know, I think you're about the same age as me. So it's funny to even hear that word, uh, you know, especially for men to say, oh, that's so gay. And that's such like a 80s, 90s, early 2000 type of thing to say. And now you've got – you know, people aren't saying that as much anymore because now they realize, like, you know, that's offensive now to people who are gay, you know, yeah. and that's not right either. So it's interesting to note that, you know, to feel uncomfortable with that, but to you at that time, it meant, oh, I'm not cool or I'm not manly enough, so I need to stop this. Would you say that's correct? Yeah. Like, I mean, I didn't know any. I mean, the only gay person I knew was in middle school, and he owned it. And at the same time, people made fun of him still. Right. But he would, but he didn't care. Mm-hmm. So that that was, uh, um, to me, I thought um, I didn't want to look. I didn't want to be made fun of like him. Mm-hmm. So just because I dance. Right. Right. Being associated with that. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So now you're not doing it for four years. So what is it that suddenly gets you back into saying, okay, maybe I want to try this again? Uh, my friends went to all audition and I had no friends to hang out with after school. Because <laughs> 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 uh, um, this is 10th grade in high school and right. the previous, and I had a lot, I had developed a lot of respect for the the dance the all male dance team there mm-hmm. um, because the one of the rallies they were all the guys this is what sort of like helped strengthen my belief that dancing was gay mm-hmm. <laughs> was that all the guys that were dancing the whole school booed them right and it was like oh man this is like those guys should not be dancing I'm like I'm one of the people booing them and then the following rally they did they did a, a routine where they flipped off the crowd and they said f you to all of them <laughs> And I'm like, and I just like, dang, that's respect. They're not going to take crap for like, for just, just because they're dancing and they're guys. So would you, so, so when you said you were booing as well, is that because you thought that was the cool thing to do? Or did you think they were really that bad and you thought that was the appropriate action to take? Oh, they, man, they were incredible. I was just following, I was just part of the, going with the crowd and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's quote unquote gay. Right. And then, but 
<laughs> I watched the routine though. I was like, man, how is this okay? That's freaking awesome. Because yeah. <laughs> they're wearing Matrix coats. This is when Matrix is out. Yeah. And they're wearing Matrix coats and the, like how it just went with the routine is just, it looks epic. And they're dancing to something like a super, it was like hip hop classical music. So it, right. it was like, I don't know. I just loved it. But I had to maintain this image. Right. So, okay. So now you said that's, what'd you say, 11th grade or so? So you're like, uh, that was, or 10th that grade? Was, yeah, I, that's what I watched it in ninth grade. I joined again my tenth grade year. I walked in, and all my friends were like, "You're uh, you're auditioning today?" Mm-hmm. Like I thought you hated dancing. Like uh, my friends at high school did not know I danced, right? Ever. <laughs> so uh, when I uh, uh, when I auditioned, I I like they all did not. They're all just blown away. It's like you dance? I didn't. I thought you were just a skater boy and looked that looked angry all the time. <laughs> So you go uh, in and dance because you said all your friends were auditioning, so you had no one else to hang out with, and you figured, okay, well, the people I hang out with dance. It's actually something I used to love. Let me give it a try again. So you have to audition. Now, how does this audition go? Uh, it's We just learned the choreography. Um, the captain is pretty much picking out uh, – the head captain of the guys pretty much picks out the guys who can do the choreography best. Uh, this is – they're picking 12 guys out of, I think, 20 or 25. Mm-hmm. And I turned out to be one of the twelve. Awesome, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, that was a huge. Uh, I think that was the igniter again, being in that room and being hearing that support, and then he seeing the surprise, mm-hmm. and then a lot, and then re-experiencing. Dang, this is fun! Like, um, yeah, that was like. The excitement started coming back. I remember going that night, just practicing the moves over and over and over again. Even though we never actually used the routine, right. I just I still remember it today. So, <laughs> um, but it was just one of those things that like really reignited my passion uh, for dancing. And so from uh, there, because you're still in high school, I mean, did you encounter being made fun of again for doing this, or not oh, really? Yeah, we still did. Uh, football players. Uh, that was still happening. I think my junior and senior year, they were still calling us, calling guys gay, and uh, that's dancing is not a sport and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really get too involved because at this point, I was like, "Dude, this is awesome. We have more championships than you guys, so mm-hmm. don't even talk." Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you say as that confidence kind of builds, you know, as you're towards the end of high school? Did that come from being in that supportive group of having other people that were like, hey, we also like dancing and we're a team and, you know, that we don't care what you say? I mean, would you say that that's kind of where that came from? You know, what was kind of the difference from being, you know, 17 or 18 versus when you were 12 or 13 having heard those comments before? Yeah, I think the support system was huge. It was nice knowing that because when I was younger, I was the only person I knew dancing. Mm-hmm. I, but now it's me and my friends and me and my boys we've we all we all dance mm-hmm. and we're not gay right. <laughs> we're free and we just uh i don't know it just if anyone tries to say anything like man f them this is where right. we we're doing cooler things we're dancing with girls they're not yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> That's, well, you, you know uh, and people they do they make fun of stuff either they don't understand or they can't do you know it's generally people it's always so funny because you even see online on youtube people write comments on your dancing but they have no videos no followers no nothing and you're like well you don't even have 
a correct say because you don't even actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> so you start to realize it's like it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly how I feel because when I remember, I remember when I started like uploading my videos on YouTube, um, I got I forgot who said what. It was a very opinionated comment, and I looked at their their page and I'm like, who is this person? They didn't have anything, and then I forgot whose podcast it was, but. Uh, the, I remember they, them saying the people who are doing really good things don't have time to put others down. They don't do that. It's true. <laughs> so. It's true. And it's, you know, it's a combination of sometimes these people are bad people. I, I usually want to think that they're just uneducated, you know, or somebody hurt them and they don't know how to react. But, um, yeah, it's usually people that don't matter. So it's interesting as you get older, it's, you know, you kind of just let that go. So so now you said you started teaching. How old were you when you were starting teaching dance? Um, I started teaching unofficially as, uh, in 2005, I think okay. my junior year when I started my mm-hmm. dance crew. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, cause I, at that point I was like, I'm going to graduate soon. I'm not going to have this forever. I didn't have my four years. Mm-hmm. So I want to start with my crew. Right. And so I started le- teaching and then, um, that's where I sort of learned the process of not everyone is at the same level. Mm-hmm. Not everyone learns that fast. Yep. Um, and that I'm, um, I remember this one rehearsal with my dance crew that they, uh, I was getting frustrated. I was like, why aren't you guys getting it? And one of the dancers said, we're not as fast as you. And, uh, that's where I got to really looking back is just, just because I can dance, just because I know how to put mm-hmm. moves together. doesn't mean I necessarily know how to communicate it in a way that everyone gets it. Right. And it takes, I mean, it takes practice. It takes time and practice and patience to be a good teacher and to understand the different ways to communicate with each individual in your class. Um, and it's definitely a challenge. You're right. Because I've been to many classes where, and this is not even just in dance, where somebody is great and excelled in a certain area of life, but they have no idea how to teach it. And, you know, that's great that they know what to do, but then they probably shouldn't be pursuing a teaching career if they don't know how to help others. Yeah. Uh, I learned that the... Uh... The hard yeah. way. <laughs> we all go through it. It's okay. So now tell me, um, have you taught um, any kids at all or mostly adults have you worked with? Oh, yeah. I've taught, I used to teach kids at, one, at my previous dance studio. Okay. So uh, I was going to say my question is whenever you have come across boys, middle school boys that are learning hip-hop, you know, how do you communicate with them? Because you've been in a similar situation that maybe they're experiencing with people making fun of them even though they like dance. How do you kind of – build them up or kind of say, you know, hey, I was there. This is what you should be doing. This is how you should react so that they don't lose the passion that you did for four years. I, I normally would a lot of, I get a lot of middle school boys for my breaking class, but mm-hmm. when I do get them for my hip hop class, it's, I always tell them it's when they're about to do their, their, sort of showcase for the routine like a lot of times we're too afraid i tell them we're too afraid because of what people think what people because of looking wrong or whatever it's just a matter of image it, that, that none of the, that stuff matters what matters is what you love what you're doing and if it makes you happy keep doing it if others others are going to say things it doesn't matter if it's your parents it doesn't matter if it's just other students or classmates they're gonna say stuff what matters is how you deal with it mm-hmm. and if it's something that in in your heart that you love doing, then do it. And F F what I don't say that. <laughs> but I say it in some of that context. Right. But like forget what they're what the people putting you down are gonna say because there's plenty of that. But 
if this is where you're living, then stay there and keep mm-hmm. growing in it. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. Which yeah, is so then good. It's, um, and I'm, I'm really glad that a lot of, especially around here, like a lot of the boy, dancing isn't that gay anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, or considered gay anymore. It's, um, a lot of, a lot of boys are coming into the class. Like they're hungry to learn and get better. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, and I'm, I'm, like almost, yeah, I'm jealous because I, I wish that I had this sort of resource that they had, uh, growing up. Like that's just sort of, like at well at their age, um, because, man, I would I feel like I could have gone a lot further. But it's just, it's, it's oh, exciting. Yeah. It's it's exciting seeing them grow. And then, um, what I think one of the hugest things I do is like when they whenever they get, whenever they perform, whether it's good or bad, I have the biggest celebration that they did it. Because I feel like it's uh, that sort of praise is going to help build their confidence, and that's mm-hmm. what I want. I want them to be confident in expressing themselves, and not just because that when we're dancing, it's like awkward movements. We're not really, no, we're not going to walk down the streets doing that. <laughs> so I I praise them for this, like even going for it because that's uncomfortable, especially if it's for their first time. And then I want them to continue feeling uncomfortable and continue getting the praise for that. So they can start building that confidence and just, yeah, I can move. I can express myself through my arms, my legs, and not just hold it in. Because some mm-hmm. of these kids who in my class have never been told to express themselves because they're so focused on just trying not to get in trouble. Yes, I agree. And I think, I mean, um, I work with uh, kids and adults. And with kids, especially middle school age, as they get more homework and you know expectations, and they're sitting in a classroom all day, first of all, and then they wonder why, you know, the children can't focus. It's because they need to move and let energy out. Um, and these kids all say to me, you know, Miss Carrie, we love that we can express our emotions. Whether I'm angry or I'm happy or I'm sad, I can just let it out. And that's what dance is so much about. Um, and it's, it's neat. It's neat to see the kids do that and to feel okay doing that in a way, you know, that they could be doing something else that's more harmful. But this is yeah. a way where they can move and, and feel good. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I'd say, liberating, or mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, I can't find right now. It's just seeing them start to let go. Yes. Because, because uh, when they when they dance for the first time, they're thinking so much. Am I doing? Am I moving? Putting my arm in the right place? Am I mm-hmm. doing this right? But when they just do it and allow themselves to just stop thinking and just do it, it's, I love it. Yeah, and I, I and I just love seeing the growth because uh, this one kid, she she's like so quiet when she talks, she, I can barely, I can barely hear her in class, and but she she used to dance so small, and, this, and then now seeing her, now, man, I can, I'm gonna tell she can audition for any team if she wants to, but she's just doing it for fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so great. And I, um, you know, I've transitioned to a little bit more on the adult side as well. And it's so funny. And I don't know if you notice this, but the way I teach adults is very similar to kids because of the same thing. It's not like we change that much sometimes as adults. There's still the same fears. I mean, the amount of adults that come to me and say, oh, my mom or a teacher or a friend or a coworker said that I'm terrible at dancing. And that has stuck with them for so long. And yet they have this, you know, they want to learn how to do it, and they decide to get up the courage to come. And in just, like, two or three classes, I can see them blossom and grow and have this energy and confidence. And it's just so awesome 
to see. So it doesn't even matter if you're 12 years old or 40 something years old. It's that same expression, that same thing, like you said, is so liberating and so important that part of me feels that everybody should be dancing all the time. Yeah. I feel like it should because it's like, I feel like it's one of the ultimate ways of self-expression. It's like mm-hmm. really engaging with everything, especially with since how there's scientific studies, how music engages all regions of the brain and then using our, our body to help express it, man. It's, it's, it's great. Even though it doesn't even have to be like, like choreography dancing, just getting up and moving and just doing whatever mm-hmm. that that's just feeling good about it. It helps. Yeah. So I want to um, kind of progress a little bit forward. So now, you know, you've, you've been through all this, you've danced and you've taught. Um, and now one of the things that you're doing is you uh, have created an online course of how to break dance. So kind of describe a little bit about where that came from um, and kind of how the setup is for that uh, and how that kind of works. Oh, my online breaking course? Mm-hmm. Uh, that originally came to be because I, a former student of mine, wanted to get ready for an audition and I only I didn't have enough time to really work with her mm-hmm. uh, so what I decided to do is I filmed all these videos for her to practice um, originally it was just a few moves but then I saw how a lot of people liked it and I decided to build it from there and going back to my client uh, my former student real quick uh, I only had two days and two nights and one hour practices with her and her audition was that week so I decided to make her the videos, the necessary videos just to make her look good for the audition mm-hmm. and exercises for her to do at home. Uh, so that way she felt she felt confident and she she nailed the audition. She got to compete with a group for uh, for Hip Hop International. And uh, I just and I also decided to repurpose the content I made for her for a mini course I made online and then expand it to a full blown uh, full-blown b-boy 101 course after seeing the amount of feedback I got from the first course right which is great and I'm gonna link that up so everybody can check that out as well because break dancing is definitely one of the hardest things to learn that everybody wants to learn um, and I've been dancing for years but I'm not a break dancer I have my degree is in hip-hop or excuse me in modern and ballet and I hip-hop is my specialty but break dancing is challenging because it's a lot of strength um, a lot of coordination, a lot of core strength, and a lot of things that can seem a little bit dangerous. So, you know, some of the stuff I've looked at that you've done, it's nice how you really break it down and make sure it's safe for people to do and a way for them to practice and progress with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I looked at a lot, of, a lot of videos, and a lot of it is just showing instead of really teaching what mm-hmm. it's supposed to feel like. And that's, that's for me, I need uh, my learning style. I need details of how it's done. Yes. Most <laughs> so of us that, do. <laughs> so that drove me nuts. I'm like, how do you do that? You just did it. So, um, yeah, I decided to go that route and I, I really want it to be so that anyone who watches it, mm-hmm. like I can pick, like take any guy in the street and they, I tell, I tell them, learn this move. I want them to. I want it to be that easy that they can get it in 15 minutes. Yeah, which is awesome. So I will definitely put that up. So a couple of questions before we finish up. So my first question is, you know, kind of our overall theme with this talk. What would you say to someone, and I'm speaking for adults because mostly adults will be listening to this, for somebody who's ever been told, no matter what age they were, that something they were doing was stupid or dumb or they shouldn't do it or waste their time, how should they deal with it, and how would you say that they can move forward from that? What would be your your suggestion? 
it's advice for someone who's been told that what they want to do is dumb. Yeah, just like you had said earlier that someone said, oh, you know, when you're dancing, it's gay or it's stupid. And then eventually you said, well, I don't care what you think. So for people that still have that, you know, whatever it is, oh, starting that business, that's a dumb idea. Oh, you shouldn't marry that person. That's stupid. You shouldn't move. You shouldn't do that. You know, when you're hearing these things from maybe even just sometimes one or two people and that sticks with you, you know, what was it for you and what could they do for them to help them get out of that to progress to do something that they really enjoy doing? Hmm. I think it's, I mean, for me, for some reason, it's going back to heart, what wants what it wants. Mm -hmm. So, and then I, I would much rather, like at the end of the day, or, or rather at the end of my life, I would, I want to feel like I said I did it or I wish I could have. And I would much rather have said I did it and it didn't pan out, but that's okay. At least I gave it a shot. I don't want to, I would say. Just give it a shot. You never know what's really going to happen. People can speculate. People can give you opinions. and But at the end of the day, it's your decision. Mm-hmm. And you never truly know what's going to happen because life's filled with surprises. It might work out. It might not. But until you just take that one step to do it, you'll never really know. And really, in the end, I mean, what's to me, my, you know, I always say to people, what's the worst that could happen? You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And then you do something else. It's not, and again, like you said, it's your decision. Yeah. I like that. So the last question, which you kind of, I guess, just answered that I ask everyone is kind of what is your life mantra? What is something that you wake up every day and say to yourself and how you live your life? My life mantra, I think. I think it's bring me back to my like this prayer that I do every morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of uh, I'm very spiritual. It, it's uh, let my words be your words, my actions be your actions. Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? And what would you have me say? And to whom? Let me uh, use me, Lord, for I'm a vessel of your will. Use me, Lord, so I can be a light of your love. So that's my personal morning prayer. That sort of helps me get in the state of doing my best to be, come from a space of love, come from a space of not ego. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I'm human. It does happen, but it helps. It really sets, helps center me because, um, there are mornings where things are hectic, but doing that small prayer and just breathing for, five, for like five, uh, five or 10 breaths just calms everything down. I love it. That's a good way to start the morning. I think that's really, really good. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amari. I really appreciate it, and we will chat with you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe to the podcast Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things over on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you really enjoy it, I would love for you to leave a review. Also, to learn more about Emroy and what he's up to and to see the show notes, you can visit EmotionDanceFit.com. That's E-M-O-T-I-O-N-D-A-N-C-E-F-I-T.com slash Emroy, E-M-E-R-O-Y. All the information will be up there. And remember that each of us is capable of achieving anything we want in life. 
how will you choose to live?